Hosea chapter 2, verse 2 reads as follows. Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as, as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, mine oil, my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her path. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore I will return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will cover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now I will discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she saith, these are my rewards that are my lovers have given me, and I will make them a force, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forgot me, said the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence in the valley of Achor, in the door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came out of the land of Egypt. And I shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt no more call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bailey. For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the fields and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and loving kindness and in mercies. And I will even betroth thee unto faithfulness. And thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass that day I will hear, saith the Lord. I will hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow unto her, unto me, into the earth. I will have mercy upon her, and <clears throat> her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them, which were not my people, thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. Okay, let's pray before we get started. Here. Dear God, thank you for these verses here from Hosea. Thank you for your chance to study it. Be with me now as I try to speak more about it and teach from this and speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been studying this book of Hosea. Put up my, uh, my words here. Right? The same, same two things that we've been talking about this whole time. So we've been talking about the book of Hosea. And last time we focused on the children of Hosea and how even the names of the children told the story, right? And so we talked about previously, right? So who's Hosea? He's one of the minor prophets, prophet of God. What happened to Hosea? He was forced to marry this harlot, Gomer, right? And with Gomer, he had multiple children, right? He had one named Jezreel. And we talked about in detail what these names meant. Jezreel meant scattered, right? We, he had another 
Another child, lo ruhama. What did that mean? Translated, what did that mean mean? It meant no mercy. The third child was named lo ami. What does that translated mean? It meant not my people. And we talked about how this really set up the whole story of what happened to the children of Israel. What happened is, they would go and marry the harlot, right? They would go follow other gods. They would turn away from God, right? And in the end, God made sure that they were scattered. They were conquered. They were spread out, scattered. God made sure that they had no mercy. They were conquered. They were uh, people that were under oppression. They had a hard life when the outside invaders took over their land. And finally, we talked about how children of Israel were treated not as God's people anymore, right? They were God's people, but in essence, after this, after all the, the, the conquering and all their sin and all that kind of stuff, it was the case that they were treated as not my people. So that's what we were talking about in the past when we talk about chapter, chapter 1, right? Chapter 1, most of it is setting this up. It sets up the story of here's Hosea and Gomer, but it also has this other meaning. And in fact, this other meaning is going to follow through into a lot of the other stuff we study in this book. That's why we've gone at lengths to study these names, right? And what do they mean? And what is the significance? Last time, we talked about the end of chapter 1, where these names get flipped on their head a little bit, right? Because at the end of chapter 1, it mentions how, guess what? There will become a time where things change, right? Where great shall be the day when people say the word Jezreel. And why would that be a great day? That's a great day because now it's not just that they're scattered. It's that they're everywhere, right? They've been scattered and now they're everywhere ready to do God's work, right? It's a good thing to have people in a lot of places ready to do God's work. And what, so, what else is about this time, this restoration at the end? It says at the end of chapter, after, at the beginning of chapter 2, actually, end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2, it says, saying to your brethren, am I, right? Took away the low. It's not low am I anymore. It's am I, which means the exact opposite, right? It means my people, that once again, the children of Israel have a chance to become my people, God's people. And same thing, instead of low ruhama, it says, say, ruhama. Which means what? Instead of no mercy, it means mercy is given. And we talked last time about when is this time? When is this time that Israel is going to have a chance to get the mercy, to become God's people? When is this great day coming? The great day came when Jesus came, right? Because when Jesus comes, we all have a chance to get mercy. We all have a chance to become God's people. And that's why it's so great. It is a great day. Right? When we have Jesus, when we have Christ, when we can share Christ with everyone. And now that same theme continues into chapter 2. Chapter 2 talks about this relationship between Hosea and Gomer. Right? Hosea the prophet and Gomer the prostitute, the whore. Right? And sure enough, sure enough, in verse 2, we read about what is she doing? up to the same things again, right? Whoredoms and adulteries, it says. She went back to her ways, right? So Hosea was forced to marry this person and she stayed true to her character, right? And what happened? 
after, after this? Well, Hosea's reaction in verses 3, right? He says, let me strip her naked as a day she was born and make her into the wilderness, right? And verse 4, what does it say? I will not have mercy upon her, for they be the children of whoredoms, right? He sends her away. Sends her away, kicks her out. Makes sense, right? She's a lying, cheating whore. I'm going to kick her out. I don't like her, right? Scattered. Again, right? Scattered. And what did he say? He said, no mercy, right? Verse 4 says, I will not have mercy. This theme coming up again, right? No mercy, right? And so it talks about uh, how in verse number 5, She's okay with that. She's perfectly okay with that. I will go after my lovers that give me my bread, my water, my wool. Right? And so what happens? What is the reaction from Hosea? I will hedge up the way with thorns. I will make a wall. She shall not find her path. Right? You're going to treat her as if you're going to put all these obstacles. Not going to treat her nice anymore. As if is not her person, not this person anymore, right? Not my people. You see the same theme again, right? It's that, oh, I'm casting you out. I don't care about you anymore. You want to go find your old lovers? Fine. I don't care about you anymore, right? But then what? What are we seeing the rest of these verses here? So it says in verse 8, verse 8, this is what, uh, this is what, uh, Hosea's notes, right? Says, ah, she did not know what. She didn't know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, right? They were married. She cared for it. He cared for her, right? Provided for her, just like a husband would. And she took that for granted, right? What, she, what does it say? It says that she took that and prepared those for Baal, for idols, right? Right, 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 right. And so that's why in verse 9 it says, I'm going to take away my corn, take away my wine, take away my wool and my flax, right? That's what, that's what happened. And, and verse 12, right? I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, you know? These are the type of things that, that he would do, right? To kind of make sure that she got cast out, Right? But sure enough, despite that, verse 13, right? She went after her lovers and forgot me. Forgot him. Went off. I have my own lovers. I have my own life. Did my own thing. But in the end, in the end, in the end, what happened, right? Follow this pattern again. Starting in verse 14. It says, I will allure her. I will call her back, right? I will call her back and speak comfortably to her, Right? And I will give her in the vineyards from the valley of Achor. Achor means trouble, a door of hope. So when she had trouble, Hosea is going to provide her hope, right? And what's going to happen? It says, in that day, in that day, saith the Lord, thou shalt call me Ishi. Here's some more words for us to learn right here. Ishi, what does Ishi mean? Ishi means my husband, Right? And thou shalt no, call me no more Bailey. Bailey. Bailey means my Lord, right? The idea being this, right? There's going to be a day when he calls her back, right? And it's not going to be just like, oh, I came back because I need to seek out a master, a Lord, someone just to care for me. That when she comes back, it's going to be a relationship like a husband, a husband and a wife. 
a real relationship now, right? Not one that you would take for granted and run away from. And basically, we see in the rest of the verses here, in verses uh, 21, 22, 23, going back to what we've seen in this theme here, right? It says what? It says, uh, it says in 22, right? The herd shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear what? They shall hear Jezreel. There's those names again, right? Jezreel. It'll be a great day when she comes back, right? A great day. I will sow her unto me the earth, and I will have what? Mercy. Mercy. And verse 22, the end, says, Thou art my people, which they shall say, Thou art my God, my people. So she'll get called back in the end, and she'll be welcomed back with mercy and made back my people. Once again, this is the exact parallel story of the children of Israel. Is it not? Is it not? They were like Gomer. They sought out the other idols. They sought out these other things. They didn't care about God. They got warned by God. They didn't care. They were happy to get scattered and sent out. Right? And God let them go. He said, fine. Whatever. You do that. I, I'm not going to have any mercy on you. Not treat you as my people. And sure enough, they took it for granted. Right? They took it for granted. They left. And they chased their own things. But in the end, God calls them back. Right? God sees their trouble calls the children of Israel back. How again, how again did he do that? Well, we know, through knowing the result of what his prophecy is and knowing today, that once again, it's through Jesus. Through Jesus, right? We talked about this. Ishi, the relationship is going to be Ishi, my husband. Who is the bridegroom? Who is the bridegroom? We know the answer. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ, right? Right, 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 right? You see, it all fits. So people say, oh, this Old Testament stuff, all this prophecy, you know, what relevance does it have? What story does it have? How does it fit in? It's all relevant, all its meaning. It's all focused on the same theme. So beautifully written, so beautifully interwoven to show that, aha, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus and how Israel needed Jesus to redeem them so that they could become husband and wife. They could become the redeemed people. They could become obtaining mercy and having God as their Lord. A few other things here from these verses here. So we see this again. Same theme. Same word. Same ideas. Right? That's why I keep hammering it in. Right? So I want you to learn what these, these uh, Hebrew words mean. But a couple other things. Right? We notice in verse 7 that when Gomer leaves and by parallel when Israel leaves. Right? She says what? He says, for it was better with me then, then now, right? When she returns to her first husband. I will go and turn to my first husband for then it was better with me than now, right? She leaves and goes back into her life of harlotry and wardrobes thinking that this is something better. She's happy to do that. And this is something that's true about, I think, sin in general. That, believe it or not, you know, think about sin. Sin's a bad thing. Don't sin. Sin's horrible. Believe it or not, the truth is that sin is a happy thing for some people. It was a happy thing for Gomer. Gomer thought I was happy to go back to living her life. A free life. Not oppressed by what's going on with Hosea. I can go back and live my life of whoredom or whatever. It was a happy thing for the children of Israel to turn their backs from God. Let's think about it this way. If it wasn't happy, 
they wouldn't do it, right? If it was, oh, it's a horrible thing, I have to go into harlotry. No, no reasonable person would say, I want to do the horrible thing, right? It was a horrible thing that the children of Israel had to go and worship idols and stuff. They wouldn't do it. And same thing with us today. A lot of sin, the reason we call it temptation, is because it's not a horrible thing. Not as horrible as we think. Think about it. Think about all those things that people do that we teach that, oh, shouldn't do this. Watch out for this. A lot of it, the world sees in the exact opposite way, right? They see it as something fun, exciting, interesting. That's how people get drawn out, away from God, right? Maybe you guys have done like this. Like, I've gone out with my friends sometimes, and they go out drinking and stuff, right? We all know God says alcohol is a sin, right? But guess what? When I see those guys going out and having fun and drinking, they're having a grand old time, right? It's not that, oh, I drink this beer, I hate this beer, why am I doing it? No, they're partying all night long, and they're having it. It's a fun thing for them, right? It's like gambling. People don't do gambling because, oh, I can't do anything about it and I just want to lose all my money. They have fun gambling, right? They go to the casino. It's fun. They can sit there for hours. They don't care that they lose their money. It is so much fun. It fulfills their need. Yes, even in the thing of literal harlotry, just like Gomer, why do people have affairs and stuff? I talked last time about one of my guys I knew in law school. Why did he go out and find the other woman? I think it's obvious, right? Oh, he, he saw his wife was short and plain, and he saw this new girl was tall and beautiful, right? It was probably fun for him. Oh, I want to go date the tall and beautiful girl, right? Not the short and plain one that I have for as my wife. That's the way the world convinces us to fall into sin, right? Convinces us, oh, we want to do this thing. We want to follow this temptation because it makes you feel good, makes you feel happy. You know how bad it was back in the days of the children of Israel? This is how bad it was. The gods they worshipped back then. Now, I'm not an expert on this. This is what I've read, okay? This is what I've read. The gods back then, like Baal, what, what kind of worship did they have, right? We know what God's worship is like. God's worship is... We have only one God, and we have all these rules that we're going to follow to live a godly life. What do Baal say? Baal says these weird things, for example. What is one way we can honor Baal, the God? We honor him by having things like sexual orgies. Now, you know the Bible doesn't say, hey, let's have orgies, right? So when the children of Israel started worshiping Baal, how many of us think that, hey, maybe there's a secret motivation that, hey, we know if we follow God, we can't do all this deviant sexual behavior. Oh, but we're following Baal? Hey, our God commands us to have all this deviant sex acts and stuff like that, right? It's part of my religion now. You know, that's the way they think. Ah, now it's good. I'm going to do it. It makes me feel good. You know, that's the way they fool themselves. And that's why even people today fool themselves and thinking it's okay. What do they lose sight of? What do they lose sight of? They lose sight of what it says in verse number eight. Verse number eight, when Hosea points out that what is the source of everything that Gomer had? All her corn, all her wine, all her oil, all her silver, all her gold. Where did it come from? Came from him. All the blessings really came from Hosea. Right? All the stuff that she had, all the money she had that she'd go off and chase Baal and chase all these other former husbands and all these things. 
came from him. For the children of Israel, it's the same thing. They didn't realize all the blessings they had from God, right? God blessed them so that they were in this land, that they could have this kingdom, this promised land that God promised them all this time. And what happens? Take it for granted. Oh, we've got all these gold and riches now. Let's go follow some other God. Let's go follow Baal. Let's go follow this. Let's go follow that. Let's turn away from God. Let's not follow God. It's not fun to follow God, right? It's not fun. And that's true today, right? We look at some of the stuff that we do, that God asks us to do. Like praying, reading your Bible. Those aren't the most fun and exciting things in the world. And those are the things that we can take for granted when we're not thinking about God, right? God gave us all, I think, most of us here, all of us here maybe, a comfortable life, right? We hear the Thanksgiving testimonies a lot on Thanksgiving, right? And a lot of times people have really amazing stories of all the things that God did for them and God helped God deliver them and so on and so forth. But we also get some testimonies like this, the ones that are seeming a little more boring, right? The ones that just say, oh, I want to thank God for taking care of me this year, that I didn't get sick, that I have my family, that I have my job, I have all these things, a roof over my head, all that kind of stuff. Right? But that testimony might not seem like the amazing super one, but that's the one we have to keep in mind that all of us sometimes forget that God is the source of all these blessings. That we have to thank Him, not just, oh, in the time of trouble. Because that's what happens a lot when we get comfortable, right? We forget Him except the time of trouble. When do we pray? We pray a lot when we have a problem, don't we? Right? I've experienced that in my own life, right? When I lost my job a couple years ago, guess what? I felt like praying a lot more. I also had a lot more free time, right? Well, I got to pray all the time about this now, right? And it's true that, hey, nowadays when you have a job and everything like that, you see like, oh, prayer is just like a chore. Oh, I got to fit this in. And, oh, you know, sometimes I forget to pray and this and that. It's not your priority anymore, right? We lose sight of it. We take for granted all of God's blessings that we keep, lose sight of what we ought to do for God, right? Same thing to read in the Bible. I bet a lot of you guys, when you have times of trouble, I need to turn to the Word. Let me look into the Word, figure out how the Word can guide me. And I bet that when there's not that issue, oh, sometimes I look at it, sometimes I don't, right? And that's the way the children of Israel fell away from God. They're prosperous. Other time of David, King David, and King Solomon, they were a rich country. They were a rich and powerful country. They had conquered all these lands. They had all this gold, all this silver. And they realized, ah, we were good. We don't need to turn to God all the time. We can go do whatever we want now. Make whatever makes us happy. And what they lost sight of is that the thing that got them that happiness in the first place was God. Was God. Are we going to forget that? I hope not. I hope not. The reason we have these testimonies and stuff, the reason we have these shares and stuff is sometimes to point out this fact that we have a God that is there for us, even the stuff we don't see, right? How much in our lives when we look back at it, sometimes we don't see it until we take the 30,000-foot view, the view back and say, ah, boy, I see how God guided me all this in my life. I see how God protected me all in my life. I see how he made sure that I have never been in a car accident. Uh, I've never been in a serious thing, you know? Never been to the ER, never been to the hospital, never had this sickness or that problem, never been unemployed, never been whatever it might be, failing classes, whatever the problem is. You think about that in your own life. 
What, how many of those facts are true for you? I thought about that, and there's a lot of those facts that are true for me, right? I've never been to the ER in my life for my own injuries. I've never had a serious illness or anything. I've never been in serious car accidents, all these things. I don't think actively about it all the time, right? But God's reminding us. He is there. When we are his child, that is the blessing we get. That's the mercy he bestows on us, the protection, and how much greater it is. How important it is that we follow that? It looks like we're out of time. We're going to go on to chapter 3 next time. So assignment next time. Read chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a short chapter. We're going to do the whole thing. And think about the price. So we talked about all this redemption. Next time we're talking about the price. The price of redemption. So we're redeemed. Yay. Great. God will save us. But there's a price. What's the price? All right. But right now let's end off with a word of prayer. Before all these people beat down our door here. Right? Dear God, thank you for the story here. Hosea and Gomer, their relationship, we see that boy. He treated, she treated him pretty badly, right? But still, he took her back at the end. And we're so lucky that we treat you so badly. We sin so much. We forsake you. We take you for granted. But we're so thankful we have Jesus to forgive us for all those sins. That you take us back also. Lord, may we never forget that. May we never lose sight of that. May we always remember to keep that sense of appreciation. That thankfulness always in our hearts. So we thank you again for the story. May we continue to learn more from it. And may we continue to honor you more through our worship today. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.